0: just if if you don't mind if I can just release a blessing over you and over Bella Um, you know your name your name means pure Kathleen means pure and the scripture came to mind it's a second Timothy 220 and I feel like God wants this scripture for you he wants to he wants this to be something that your heart like grabs onto, because this is how he sees you in second Timothy 220 it says in a palace you find many kinds of containers and tableware for many different uses. Some are beautifully beautifully inlaid with gold or silver. Some are made of wood or earthenware. Some of them are used for banquets and special occasions, some for everyday use. And I'm going to put your name in place of Timothy. I don't think that's wrong to do that. You could take the scriptures that were for other people and take it for yourself, I believe, if the Holy Spirit's grace is on that. But you, Kathleen, must not see your life and ministry this way. Your life and ministry must not be disgraced, for you are a pure container of Christ. You are a pure container of Christ and dedicated to to the honorable purposes of your master prepared for every good work that he gives you to do so we just bless you with that word and take hold of it that's how he sees you jesus paid the price on the cross that you would would be declared and made holy through his blood and he sees you as a pure container a pure vessel for kingdom, noble kingdom purposes. And Bella, you know, her name, if you don't know, we used to, uh, what was that place in Seattle we used to like to drink coffee at? Vivaches. Well, Vivachi's, that's one of them. But, <laughs> Una Bella something, it was like one beautiful cup. But Bella's name means beautiful. And I just feel like, you know, I, I feel this always for for the daughters that come into this house and and in our lives, the the daughters that I know God's hand is over. He sees you daughters and it doesn't matter if you're a pipsqueak like her age or if you're whoever is the oldest in the room. He looks upon his daughters and he just says, you're beautiful to me. You are always gonna be my beautiful one. And that's how he cherishes you, just like like a father with his daughter. He is your father, he is your daddy God. And he just wants you to know that he sees you as beautiful. He says, you're beautiful to me. And my, my favor, my face is toward you. My favor and my kindness and my protection is toward you as well. So that's, that's the kind of dad that he is. He's a, he's a protector. Our father God is a protector. Some of us are learning about that in, in, the, in the quiet place. That he's, he's there for you. That your dad, your father your papa god he's got your back he's watching over he has released angels to protect you to watch over your coming and going yeah kathleen i just your glasses i kept seeing gold but i kept seeing like a crown like a queen would have and i was asking god like what what is that and he's like it's authority a queen in her palace has authority So, in your sphere and in the kingdom, you have authority. Don't be afraid to use that authority in a godly way. He, yeah. My sister works for a a company where she's the operations manager. (laughs) She's great, but she can throw that hammer down and she's (laughs) like, oh, I gotta do this and I gotta tell them to go. and (laughs) That's, wow. Yeah. That's great. so walk in that authority that he has given you and yeah he's going to bless you in that for sure yeah, that's that's, awesome. not an, that's not an accident and i believe what Tammy is saying is just god's way of confirming that his hand was on your promotion so yeah and so you said that yeah <laughs> inside of here, a little baby Scotty's just having an emotional moment. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. This is just what what it's all about, guys. This is church is family. Church is not a building that you go to. It's, it's the body of Christ coming together. We are the, the, the church is the ecclesia of God. We are the, the, the Greek word in the New Testament when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. That word that he said in, in that is translated church, is not equivalent to like synagogue or a building he said i will build my church and he used a greek word the ekklesia which is a governing body it's the legislators god has put his authority and his his word his power in his people that we would we would be the ones to establish kingdom rule while we live on earth and it begins right here it begins in your heart my heart you, know, you get to establish, you get to surrender that secret place, the most inner man or woman that you are submitting and surrendering and yielding your inner person to the kingship, to the, to the kingdom, the king's domain, the kingship and the rule and the reign of King Jesus. That's what it means when you say yes to Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, I want you to come and be the king of my heart, be the, be the Lord of my life. Be the master of my heart. And it's, it's a daily, it's progressive, but it's daily. You know, we get to pick up our cross daily, Jesus said, and follow him. Some days we, we mess up and we don't pick up our cross. And, you know, that flesh starts to wiggle and pretend like it's coming back to life. And sometimes it gets a foothold or gets its hand in, in a situation. And we just got to nail it. We got to put to death, the Bible says. Paul said, put Put to death. The misdeeds of the body by the spirit, and He doesn't hold you under shame or under condemnation when you do mess up. I just want to encourage you guys with that. If you mess up, He does not have His His remedy for your mistakes is not shame and condemnation. His remedy is grace, and that's why Paul had to take the time in the book of Romans to explain grace. Where, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more but hold on before you get too excited that you get to just do whatever you want paul said grace is not a license to sin he, he had to make it clear to the people that he was writing to the church in rome that i'm not giving you jesus does not give you grace so that you can use it as a license to sin it's not getting on the freeway and going a thousand miles an hour into whatever you want to do. Grace actually empowers us. It empowers us to get up when we do fall down and it empowers us to say no. So before you're a Christian, you don't have a lot of power to say no to stuff. You're just kind of led by your flesh. Your flesh is like your ruler. Your flesh is like, hmm, I want this, I want that, I want that pleasure, I want that enjoyment, I want to do whatever I want to do because I am my own God. And when Jesus comes in, that flesh, that person that you are apart from God, he comes into your life, and that, that person, that flesh, becomes united with Jesus in his death and burial and resurrection. And you receive a new spirit, a spirit that causes you to become a new creation in Christ so that you are now free to obey the spirit of life instead of the law of sin and death. You're no longer a slave to sin. So I just release that over all of us, over myself, that we are no longer slaves to the law of sin and death. But we have been liberated. We have been set free. And there is now, therefore now, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So if you receive it, just say, I receive it. I'm going to catch Tammy by surprise. <laughs> that was funny. I wish I had my camera just snapping that shot right when you did that. I felt for off and on for a long time, and I'm not going to make any promises that I'm going to um, be able to continue what, what I start tonight, but I felt for a long time just this, this craving, this desire to, to walk us through a book of the Bible, it's what Christians do, right? We read the Bible. Some of us are like, yeah, it's about time. Now, I clarify, I do read the Bible here. But typically, what God pours in uh, just kind of comes out in a scripture from this part of the Bible, a scripture from this part. And oftentimes, it's just spontaneous. Like, what I just was quoting, quoting Romans 8.1 about you're not under the spirit of God. Uh, under the law of sin and death now you're there is no condemnation now you are liberated you're set free to live for God and obey God and so that that's just kind of how I normally like to flow but I really felt like God was giving permission to me to to begin this little journey now I'll clarify I say I I feel I felt subjective I sensed that God was giving me the green light but I also know that when God wants to move in a different direction, I'm not going to hold to a pattern of teaching through a book of the Bible. But I do feel like as a church, and because I, I know how God moves with me, I know how he, he flows. Like no matter what portion of scripture I, I read in front of you guys or we walk through together, he's going to just start giving me some, some stuff. And he's going to give Tammy some stuff. He's going to give you guys some stuff. And you're going to be like, ah, all of, the, all of the lights of the Bible verses that you've stored away inside of your heart and in your mind are going to start lighting up. And you're going to start building scripture upon scripture. And that's just what happens when the word of God is, is presented and read. The Bible interprets itself. Scripture interprets scripture. So as the scripture is read, and you, if you know the word of God, if you have the Bible stored away in your heart then the scriptures are going to pop up. So I would encourage you, take notes of for, when God does that for you, when he shows you something, write it down. Pop your phone out and just like look it up really quick. I used to do it all the time in other churches, you know, when other people are preaching and I'm like, ah, oh, that scripture. He's not He's not using that verse, but I'm going to just jot it down and read it later. God just does that. He speaks to you. He speaks to me. Unfortunately... Well, fortunately, not everyone in the room has a microphone because that could get really messy and weird. But so unfortunately for you, you have to listen to me ramble. And I'm not rambling, but occasionally I do. But fortunately, she gets to interrupt in a good way. It's divine interruption. That's just how Tammy has been in my life. She was a divine interruption. I'll just stop right there because I could really just go down a rabbit trail and make you all laugh because that's part of how God wired me. I have a, we saw a sign at uh, Home Goods last night that says sarcasm is my love language. It's, that's why he, that's, why, that's awesome. why we click. There's this little click. You know, just, so it's just, it's just this sense of humor thing so tonight as we embark on this little journey i'm not again i'm not promising it's going to be super in-depth you know i'm not a mark driscoll or a charles spurgeon i just i just want to read the scriptures with us together and talk about jesus because it's all about him it's all about him and if if we can look at the word of god together and fall deeper in love with our king then i've done my job that's all i that's all i'm here to do is to to set the table to be a good host in a house, set the table, welcome our guests to come in and lay out a feast that we can all enjoy together. And if you walk away with your little spiritual tummy filled up with some juicy steak of scriptures and some sweet desserts of the Bible and all of that stuff, the full meal, get the full meal. You know, you got to eat your greens, Ethan, or I should say Oscar. You got to have your vegetables, spiritual vegetables. You're right. I'm Man. I'm being led. I'm being led by my stomach. I think so. <laughs> What's that? Uh-huh. Oh, there Steak. You there you go. <laughs> 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 well, I don't think it's six hundred and sixty-six dollars. No, it's probably like seven thousand seven hundred and fifty. <laughs> anyway he's like you're scaring me okay so <laughs> you better check your account <laughs> so here we go let's uh, so what, what's going to happen tonight is we'll, we'll take a step into this and see how it goes uh, for the most part this will be just an overview of the book of Hebrews I love the book of Hebrews I love all the New Testament I love all, well I should say I'll be honest most of the Old Testament some of the Old Testament books I struggle with you know I read Leviticus, it starts reminding me of goats and blood and weird stuff. You know, that's, that's what it's all about when you read Leviticus. It's just all about sacrificing and sprinkling blood on everything. <clears throat> but Jesus is on every page. Every page of the Bible has Jesus. Some like to say that Jesus, or the New Testament, I should say, is in the Old Testament concealed. Like You can find hints, shadows, and types of Jesus in the Old Testament so the old the new testament is in the old testament concealed and the old testament is in the new testament revealed so think about that when you read the scriptures don't build your theology about god on job's experience with god okay seriously it's funny but but many people will say well you know job is the gospel to me and because his life ended up really sucky for a long time and but god restored it at the end that is not, that is not our, our theology, does not come, our, our understanding of God doesn't come from the book of Job. Jesus is perfect theology. And we're actually going to read in the first couple of verses of Hebrews because we only have the first three that we'll maybe get to tonight if I don't like, get to the point. I'll get you in just a quick second because I'm, I'm on a roll here. But um, see, now I already forgot. That's okay. If i get on a roll i got to just keep rolling it's like a slippery slope um yeah first three verses is what we're going to get to after the overview and i I was saying that you know obviously the old testament is in the new and the new is in the old uh concealed jesus is perfect theology so we get our theology from jesus who is the word of god made flesh and that is what is in the first three verses that's what i was trying my brain I had a brain fart I guess I, I had a misfire there so I'll, I'll give you a, s- a few seconds here if you can shoot it out at me and then we're going to ramble I try not to do this too much because we'll never get done otherwise to clarify. good good so clarify or what can I clarify so let me clarify and then and i'll just say this this would be excellent stuff for you and i to talk about when when we're done if you if you're going to stick around a little bit because no 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 you're 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 fine i'm just you know i have grace to communicate this back and forth and everyone here is fine you know this is just how we handle things so that we know how we flow as as a church family so um But I I don't discredit the Old Testament. I'm just saying as far as favorite books, I have some of them are not my favorite, but I do put value, every word of God, every scripture, every book of the Bible, I believe is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it is the word of God. So not one page, not one line will ever be removed or should be removed. It is 100% the pure word of God, yeah. And I, I should probably clarify things like that, so you guys aren't like, "Oh, does he not like the whole Bible?" Is he, um, well, let me see that Bible up there and make sure he didn't rip out the book of James or something, because believe it or not, uh, Martin Luther wanted to remove the book of James from the Bible because because it talks about faith without works is dead, and he got the revelation of faith apart from works is how we get saved. So anyway, that's a, that's a side note. But no, you're you're good, Randall, and uh, yeah. If anything ever bugs you, just uh, probably the best, best would be just to grab me at the end and say, "All right, Mr, are you preaching heresies?" Okay. I think I like it too. I was just using I couldn't think of any numbers. Okay, numbers. So here's the overview of the book of Hebrews. If you guys will uh, I, I kind of like this picture. I stole it from the Internet. you know I just I, I Google imaged. The book of Hebrews and that one was there. I don't know who it belongs to, but I don't think they mind because it's out there free to use on the internet, so on the interwebs. But, you know, I think that sums up the book is the supremacy of Christ. That Hebrews is all about Jesus. It's all about him being supreme, that he has the highest place, that he is God, that he is our creator, and he is the one who holds the beginning and the end of your life and my life, and he is the author and finisher of our faith. But let's just take a look at some of the background of this book. So we don't know for sure who the author of the book of Hebrews is. It could be Paul. Most people think it's Paul. But it's, it's been argued because of the style of writing. Possibly Paul, Barnabas, Apollos, or Priscilla. The audience, obviously, it's Christians. But these are Christians who converted from Judaism. So these are Hebrew Christians. The date that it was written, somewhere between 50 AD and 64 AD the type of literature it's a sermon in the form of a letter major themes Jesus Old Testament faith perseverance and heaven I want to highlight the word perseverance because I really believe that the the day and age that we are living in right now calls for perseverance no matter where you're at in life no matter what your mindset is we, yeah, we need perseverance, and, and with Jesus at the center of all we are, that's where you're going to get the strength to persevere. So the outline is the the prologue, which is what we'll end up reading tonight. Um, Jesus's superiority over angels and Moses, the first four chapters. Jesus's superiority, uh, excuse me, Jesus superior priesthood. So we'll get to learn about this old testament model of the priesthood and see how jesus has become our faithful high priest our great high priest and we'll understand the sacrificial system that he replaced with the sacrifice and offering of his own body in his own blood and that's the next point Jesus' superior sacrifice and covenant a new covenant a new agreement that he established through the cross through his own blood and a call to persevere, chapters 10 through 12. And then final instructions and greetings. And I hope you guys were, will be okay with this. The scriptures, the, actually the version of the Bible that I'm going to use is going to be the Passion Translation. You either like it or you don't. You either love that translation or, well, I shouldn't say that. Some of it you'll probably like and others you are like, I, I prefer the English Standard or the New International Version. yes it is jesus is at the center of it all yeah so what i was saying is the the version of the bible that we will be looking at together will be from the passion translation i would encourage you guys to read it on your own to maybe get into the first chapter, or as much as you want to dive into, I mean, that's between you and God, but just read the different translations of the book of Hebrews. Read the NIV, the King James Version. Read the English Standard Version. Look at the Passion Translation. It's a little more passionate. I like it, so. Okay, here we go. We're going to rock and roll, guys. Is everybody good? Amen. Okay. Just say, amen, keep going. (laughs) I mean, do that when, when I need to keep going, so. I start to stumble around here okay so the book of Hebrews presents the magnificent Jesus on every page and I would even go on further to say that Jesus uh, I said it before and I'll just say it again Jesus is on every page of the Bible even in the Levitical book he is Jesus's fingerprints the word of God his fin- the fingerprints of God are all over the Bible So if there's never been a time ever before to grab your Bible and start cherishing the Word of God, it's now. We are in a time, we are, you know, the last days began when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts chapter 2. And we are still 2,000 years later in the last days. So how much closer to the last days are we now than then? So we need the Word of God. And we've been graced and privileged to have the Bible Whereas the early church didn't have their own copies of the Bible. They just had to do public readings of the scripture. But anyway, this says here, the light of the Messiah brings truth out from the shadows and it shines brightly for all to see. Hebrews is written for every believer today for we have crossed over from darkness to light and from doubt to faith. The name Hebrews means those who crossed over those who crossed over. We have passed from shadows to substance, from doubt to the reality of the faith. What once was a symbol has now become substance. For all the picture, excuse me, all the pictures of the Old Testament have found their fulfillment in Jesus. And that, again, goes with what I was saying. Everything in the Old Testament Jesus is hidden. It's like a treasure hunt. You can find Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. Just look at the the things that happened with the Israelites when they were being led by Moses through the desert and God said, you know, if they wanted water and he said, well, go to that rock and strike the rock with the rod. And what happened? Water came out of the rock. What does the New Testament tell us? That that rock was Jesus you can put the pieces together from there it's probably the reason why the second time moses struck the rock when god didn't tell him to strike it a second time god jesus god told moses speak to the rock the second time for so that water would come out and because he didn't listen to god clearly and he disobeyed he struck the rock again and because of him doing that that one act of striking a rock to get water to come out of it, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. That was his discipline. That was the, the penalty for him not, not obeying God. That wouldn't make sense if that's all you ever read. Why is God so mean? Why would he get mad over striking the rock two times? Well, if you understand in the New Testament that Jesus is that rock, how many times is Jesus going to be struck? One time, once and for all. On the cross never to die again never to to go to a cross again he is alive forevermore so anyway just a side trail rabbit trail you're supposed to say, come on keep rolling (laughs) hebrews takes us into the holy of holies as we come to him as priests lovers and worshipers you will never be the same again when you absorb the light of god that shines from every chapter So the Word of God, every chapter of the book of Hebrews, releases the grace and the power and the life and light of God. So as you study it, as you take hold of the Word of God, just have that anticipation in your heart when you're studying any scriptures. But as we walk through this together, just receive. Receive the the impartation that God wants to give you through his Word. Jesus is the theme of Hebrews. You must learn from him and draw closer to him in order to understand the depth of this book. For Jesus is the language of God. When God now speaks to us, he speaks in the vocabulary of Jesus Christ. All of the Bible points to him. Can we truly understand the Bible if we don't come to him? I could pull scriptures up to clarify that statement. The person that doesn't have faith and who doesn't have the spirit of Christ in them, the scriptures don't, don't make sense. Until you receive Jesus, until the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, then the Bible will, will start to make sense as you read it. But the man without the spirit, according to 1 Corinthians, does not understand the things of God. They are foolishness. They don't make sense. They're hard to comprehend. By the way, this is not my notes. I, I borrowed this from the Passion Translation, just so you know we're, we're, why I'm reading off a script here. You still good with that? You okay? Okay. It's good stuff. I read it and I was like, I need to share this with everybody. This is good. Hebrews is a divinely inspired composition given to show us the magnificence of Jesus as our glorious high priest. He is greater than the law, the angels, the system of temple worship, and greater than any high priest or religious structure. Because our royal priest, Jesus, gave his sacred blood for us, we now have unrestricted access to the holiest place of all. With no veil and nothing hindering our intimacy with God, we can come with an unbelieving... Excuse me. That would be weird. Come with an unbelieving... (laughs) That is pretty funny. We can come with an unbelievable... I mean, it's so... True, that it's hard to believe, not unbelievable. Yes, unbelievable boldness to his mercy throne, where we encounter enough grace to empower us through every difficulty. We find our true life in his presence. Do you want to add anything at the moment? Are we doing okay? Okay. I need you, baby. I need need you to hold my hand. This is different. This is not my style. This is a little bit out of my comfort zone. So, okay so the reality is i do just have to comment on this jesus made the way he opened up the way for you and i to have unlimited unrestricted access to the presence of the father you'll read about it all throughout hebrews i've got certain parts of hebrews that i have gone to over and over and over over the last 30 years where it says come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and, and grace in your time of need Well, if I need mercy and grace in my time of need, then that must mean that I shouldn't be like, oh, God, you know, if I need mercy and grace, then that must be because I'm I'm dirty or I've fallen down. And how is he going to welcome me in? Well, the book of Hebrews tells you, come boldly, like come boldly before the throne of grace to receive it. He wants to lavish his grace on you and me because it's his desire that you and I walk in intimacy with him. And the only way we can get there is if we deal with that thing of sin. Like every time we mess up, it's a potential of of a hurdle or a roadblock or a barrier to access the presence of God freely with confidence. But God wants to teach you and me how to go into his presence even when we've made mistakes, even when we've fallen down, to humbly go before him but with boldness, like nothing holding me back, no reservations, I'm going in because this is where I belong. This is who I really am as a son of God, as a daughter of God, I am a blood-washed saint and I need to not let anything hold me back from going into God's presence. So the the more we renew our thinking with that truth that we have access, that we have been invited to come with boldness in our time of need to receive, then the quicker we are going to be to get up when we do make mistakes. God's desire is that you and I have intimacy with him. We find our true life in his presence. Heaven's words are now before you. Mm, see this is getting sounds good this is a setup we're gonna lay out the banquet table here in just a second heaven's words are now before you so read them with spiritual hunger and a passion to embrace the truth and live them out by the grace of Jesus our Messiah God will help you see this is another mindset guys God is good and if you don't I'll repeat I'll reverse back back up not if you don't, because this isn't about do's and don'ts. If you and I can get our mindset renewed on the goodness of God, that he is no longer angry with us, he's no longer impatient or ready to punish, that he's not, he's not a judge, and he is a judge, but in your relationship with him, he is no longer judge, he's your father. In the relationship, yeah, amen, thank you. I need some amens. Come on guys. yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now we're starting to sound like a charismatic church. Amen, hallelujah. Our mindset and our understanding of God's nature and character is so important because it will affect how you walk with him and it will affect how you represent him. We are representatives. We are ambassadors representatives of of god and it's important to him i would imagine how we represent i like to say represent because when you're saying you represent something you're actually representing that that thing or that person so as a representative of god i need to represent him as accurately as possible if i portray to you guys and to the public that god is stingy that he punishes with sickness that he that he's just ready to smack people down, that he looks down at you with a hairy eye. He just tolerates you in Christ. He doesn't really love you. He only loves you because you're in Christ. That kind of stuff. That's stuff that I've heard in churches. That's the kind of things that I've seen represented. Yeah. So we need to, we need to wrestle with our own thinking, with our own understanding. And we need transformation. Transformation comes, as Romans 12 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then when you do that, you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so let's move on. We're gonna rock and roll here, guys. The purpose of the pastor's sermon, so he's calling the book of Hebrews a pastor's sermon, is evident the further you read his letter. He's trying to prevent those he's addressing from abandoning their Christian faith and returning to Judaism. Along the way, the author teaches them and us about the superiority of Christ above the religious institutions of Moses and the Old Testament. The sermon letter is filled with references to the old sacrificial system and priesthood of ancient Israel, and it explains how Jesus' death has replaced this old religious system, making it the perfect book to understand how Jesus' story fulfills Israel's story. Make sense? Awesome. Here's your word for the day. Here's your vocabulary word, homeschoolers. Christology. Say it after me. Christology. Christology. Okay. Now you're going to know what Christology is. Christology? Not crystals. Is it Christology? Did you go to Bible college, Kyle? Okay, well, then I don't have to worry about someone critiquing in the back row there. (laughs) Christology or Christology? I think it's pronounced Christology. That's how I've heard it. Christology is the study of Christ. Go figure. The Messiah. And this letter is a full-on course about our heavenly Savior. It's all about Jesus. The revelation of Jesus fills the pages of Hebrews, and it will set you free. He is our magnificent high priest who is greater than Moses, greater than any sacrifices ever offered, greater than any prophet of old. He perfects our faith until we rise with him into the heavenly realm of priestly ministry. Uh, That's the end goal, that we would rise up in Christ into his priestly ministry. He warns us of turning back into ritual and religion. Forgetting all the treasures of our faith. He stirs us to enter into the full rest. Just hold on to that word, full rest. God's desire for you and me is that we enter into the full, complete rest of the finished work of Jesus. Instead of trying to do on your own what God has already done for you through Christ. It's called trying to be self-righteous. Instead of walking in the righteousness of Christ that's already been provided for us. Did I read that last line? He stirs us to enter into the full rest, yeah, by seeing Jesus alone as our perfect, excuse me, as our perfection before the Father. The Old Covenant Fulfilled. One of the central themes of Hebrews is the relationship of the New Covenant established by the blood of Jesus, the Messiah to the Old or First Covenant. Look at all the Old Testament imagery the pastor uses. Moses, the high priest, Melchizedek, we'll talk about that guy later on, the priestly order of Aaron, offerings, sacrifices, the Ark of the Covenant, the most holy place. Even though we are far removed from the original religious system of rules and rituals found in the Old Testament, we cannot afford to ignore the pastor's message. The high priesthood of Jesus is inherent to his identity as our all-sufficient rescuer and revealer. If you don't know Jesus as your great high priest, you're in for some awesome, liberating truth to come into your spirit because that is who Jesus is. He is your faithful high priest. He's your merciful high priest. Okay, we're getting there. Man, you guys are like, I don't know. He's not even going to get to the verses. The reality of heaven. The Hebrews sermon often speaks about heaven's reality. The pastor reveals it's the place where God keeps his throne. To be in heaven means to be in God's very presence. In it are the names of everyone whom God calls his own. And it is the place where our ultimate redemption and atonement took place. Did you know that? The throne room of heaven is where your ultimate redemption took place. This last revelation of heaven is especially important because Hebrews explains the old religious order of rules and rituals is no longer necessary because of the final sacrifice made for all people. All God commanded under the first covenant on earth became obsolete and disappeared thanks to what Jesus accomplished in heaven. The heavenly temple is where our ultimate salvation was accomplished, of which the earthly one could not. I won't go on a rabbit trail, but the earthly temple where all of the religious rituals took place that we read about in the Old Testament was a shadow and type of a spiritual temple in the heavenly place where God dwells. That is why the Bible tells us, that is why God was so specific with Moses with measurements and making sure everything was accurate down to the, to the very inch and the details of the, the structure. Because it was a representation on earth of a spiritual heavenly temple of a tabernacle. It's pretty wild if you start to wrap your mind around the imagery and read the book of Hebrews and realize that this, there is this, this dwelling place in heaven, the holy of holies. And you and I actually can access that place now while we're here on earth by the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're right at the end here of the overview. And then we'll read three scriptures, three verses. <sighs> Don't worry, son. I'm sure there's some good food at home when you get there. The definition and practice of faith. So this is going to be the final thing that we're, we want to walk away with. Nowhere is there a better definition and explanation of faith in the New Testament Than in the sermon letter of Hebrews here's a quote from chapter 11 verse 1 now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for it is all the evidence required to prove what is unseen this is a far cry from the traditional understanding that faith is merely belief so just hold on to that guys faith is more than just believing Biblical faith claims a confidence beyond our own because it rests in the character of God, the foundation of our faith. Part of practicing faith is persevering in it. If you don't leave with anything else tonight, take that for yourself. Part, I keep losing my space here, part of practicing faith is persevering in it. This church began with a word, a prophetic word that required our faith as an action to move forward. And it's been a journey to see this church get momentum and move forward. It, it requires perseverance. It requires, our faith requires us to hold on to the promises of God and not let anything that you see around you distract you from what you know is true what God's word says is true hold on to the truth we sing it tonight all your promises all all means all all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ it's more than a song it's part it comes right out of the book of Colossians all of God's promises are yes and amen therefore through Christ we say the amen to the glory of God we need to grab hold of the promises of God. And, and with faith, not just believing, but knowing that this is the character of God, the truth of who God is. And we can put our confidence in who he says he is. Where did I stop? Amen. Amen. Should I just move forward? Did you guys read it all? Hebrews warns us against turning away in rebellion and unbelief, telling us the very divine message that saved us is the same one that will condemn us if we turn away. But we are not of those who turn away, who shrink back and are destroyed, right? We are those who are going to persevere till the very end. By my last breath, I am not letting go of Jesus. <laughs> when I said yes to Jesus 30-whatever years ago, I laid my life down in my living room. I gave him everything I am. I'm not turning back. I, didn't, I wasn't planning on turning back then, and I'm not going to turn back one day before the end. I'm going to hold fast. I should tattoo it to my knuckles. Hold fast. That's my word of encouragement to you. Hold fast. Hold fast to the very end. Don't let anything shake you. Don't let anything pull you away from trusting in his goodness and his kindness and his favor towards you. Even if sickness comes into your life, don't doubt Don't don't mistrust his his nature and his character and his goodness. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. The Israelites were were told to say that and sing that over and over in the Psalms. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. I like set your face like flint. Set your face like flint, yeah. Just lock your eyes. We'll read in Hebrews chapter 12, I think fix your eyes on Jesus just lock into him and don't ever let go so let's look at the scriptures Hebrews chapter one just three verses and we're done we're gonna wrap it up I promise and I'm actually gonna skip a couple because I added a few other verses just to kind of give some nuance to Hebrews we'll just move fast because it's already a few minutes to eight o'clock so verse one Throughout our history, God has spoken to us by our ancestors, by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. I just read everything without you guys reading it along with me. He didn't say, put the scripture up there, guy, dude. There you go. Now you can read it real quick. Jesus Christ is the creator. The word of God tells us that all things were made by him and for him and through him. Cults... Different religious groups, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, will try to tell you other things. They will try to uh, present a Jesus that is not the biblical Jesus. They will say that, that Jesus was just the brother of Lucifer. He was just an angel, that only Father God was God, that he was a created being and not the creator. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is the creator, that all things were made by him and for him and through him according to that verse and that's just one verse i guess we're going to look at a couple things here john 1 1 through 3 and 9 through 10 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made boom you're gonna have to ask me when we're done okay because i'm like squeezing every last drop of this hour to get this done (laughs) okay So there you go. Man, okay. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And then Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Back to Hebrews. One, this is verse two, the son of God, the son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. That was actually the end of that passage. We'll we'll end with this. So, once you guys stand up, that helps. I feel like I was uh, driving a semi truck full of uh, information, trying to get it all delivered in not enough time. So, forgive me if it felt like a full blast of of just stuff try to try to navigate through this and maybe do a little less and a little less adding of thought but let's end with john chapter 14 1 through 10 you know it's all about jesus it's all about what he has done for us and he's this, these are his words to us this was him speaking to the disciples but this is what he wants you and i to take hold of He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be, or you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So let's just pray, and we'll call, it, we'll call it good. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the scriptures, that we would know truth, that we would know the way of salvation. We thank you that your word tells us that you, King Jesus, You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life, and that you are the only way to come to God the Father. And we embrace that truth, Lord, we we run with it for the rest of our lives, and we will not allow any other way to heaven to be presented to us to sway us from you. We will hold fast to you, King Jesus. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You are our great high priest. You are the one who with your own blood laid your life down on the cross and shed your blood for us for the removal of our sins. You are the one that went into the most holy place in the heavenly realm with your own blood, and you presented it as a a sacrifice of atonement once and for all. We thank you, Jesus, that it is done. It is finished that the price you paid was sufficient. That now because of you, Lord Jesus, we get to enter into your finished work. We get to enter into your rest. No more striving for perfection. No, no more working to try to be good enough or holy enough to be accepted. But we rest in your finished work. We receive, Lord, we, we are receivers. We receive what you have done. And our response as givers is not to to give you our performance to try to get something you've already given. Our gift in return is our hearts. It's our worship. So we worship you, Lord. We say, here's my heart, here's my heart, here's my life. You can have it all. I don't want to be in charge of my own life anymore, Lord. I want you to come and be the Lord and the master and the ruler. Of this heart. Just put your hand on your heart and just say, Jesus, would you come and rule and reign here? Would you come and establish your throne right here, right in the core of who I am? Would you open up my eyes and my ears to see and to hear your voice and to know you more? Would you open the eyes and ears of our hearts that we would know your ways, that we would walk in your ways? We just respond tonight, Lord, by saying we love you and we thank you. What else can we do? What else can we say but thank you, Jesus? Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for paying our debt that we could never pay. In Jesus' name.